Hey guys, this is Blake Hunt. Thanks for tuning in to Friars on the Farm podcast. What you heard is what you hearing. What you hearing? What you hearing? Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X go give it to you. Wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me live is Roy. X gonna give it to you. What? I don't want to give it. To- Oh my god. Insane. So I um I flew out to Tennessee yesterday and I flew all day. Uh, I got on the road. It's about two and a half hours from Nashville to where my brother lives to, on the in the west. And you know, all the time on the plane in between my flights, um, I'm checking Twitter, checking Twitter, just checking, you know, just it's right now there's been so much going on with the winter meetings that I, you know, and you know it, and we talked a little bit about it. Uh Preller has to do something. And as a caveat, I did say, if you guys listened to the last episode, I said we weren't going to sign Bogarts. I still am that colonel budget. There's no way we can afford to do it or they can afford to do it. What are they doing kind of mentality, that old Padres mentality that I have of like, that's crazy. So as you were checking your phone throughout the day, you saw the news that the Padres had apparently been in on Aaron Judge. Right. And made some sort of an offer and got turned down. And then you saw all the all the reporters saying, oh, the Padres, they're throwing money at people and they can't sign anybody. Right. Who wants to be a Padre? Well, um, and so about five minutes away from my brother's uh, place, you know, I'm driving in a two lane road in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, still just refreshing Twitter every once in a while. And then I saw it. And then I saw the top of like notifications and the top three were in it. I'm like, holy cow, what happened? Holy cow. I almost crashed my car. <laughs> I was sitting at, I was sitting at home with, with Angela on the couch. We're watching the TV show and she's into it. And all of a sudden I, I like, I gasped and she could hear my breathing and she's like, something happened. Pause the TV. Tell me what happened. And and I all I could do from then on was just sit there and refresh and refresh and like try to try to it's it's so when the Manny Machado sighting happened it was kind of out of nowhere and we were just over the moon and it's like there's no way this could possibly happen now I feel like we've had that happen over and over and over now with Tatis extension and Musgrove extension and then the Soto trade and now this I mean what an amazing time to be a Padres fan I'm going to say it again. I probably said it after the Soto trade. Okay, I'm all in. There's nothing that he can't not do. Like I, I the guy will pull a rabbit out of a thimble. You, you know what I mean? Just out of out of air, he will create something. I am, and for me, is there a way to be excited and then really apprehensive at the same time? Like I'm stoked for the next five years. Um, maybe six tops. Uh, but then after that, you know, um, if we don't have hardware and there's a lot of if and buts between then and now on how exactly we're going to continue to put this team together. They'll continue to put this team together. Um, we might have a paperweight, you know, DHing or playing first base in about five or six years. Well, I'm going to paraphrase uh, Craig Goldstein again. Ha ha, lineup go right. <laughs> for the next five years. So this year, you got Manny Machado, Tatis, Soto, Bogarts. I can't imagine that they would make this move without having some sort of plan in place on how they're going to keep Soto around. Machado has an opt out. I don't see them letting him go. So 
if they keep all, the, I don't know how they they stack the books to make it work, uh, but I can't imagine that they're doing all this just to let just to wind up with an overpriced, you know, because there's Why no opt outs, there's no opt out, and there's right. no 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 trade, there's a no trade clause, a full no trade clause in this. So it's like he's here for good. He's here for eleven years, period. And I mean, they've got to have a plan. And so for the next. Five, four or five years, you've got these guys at the peak. And then after that, yeah, okay. So Bogart starts to trail off. You build around him. And then the other angle I'm wondering is we've been seeing how fast the, the salaries have been going up. All of a sudden, there's just this escalation, like the mid-level guys. I'm not talking about the guys at the top because they're still right. around $30 million. But you've got guys that used to be pulling $8, $10 million that are now making eighteen twenty. And so the whole a rising sea raises all ships. What's $25 million going to be five years from now? It's not going to be, it'll be close to somewhere that Tatis will be making in about five years from 2029 to 33 Tatis will be making 36 million. So that's, so the next few years and what is the annual average value of, of the Bogarts contract? Is it 24 million? Something, yeah, something in that neighborhood, 20, 280 divided by 11, whatever that comes so, out so to. Manny, Tatis, uh, and Musgrove, almost $75 million put together with that. You tack on another 24, 25 million, you're close to $100 million on four guys on your roster. And you still need a lot, you still need the rest of the lineup, and you still need top tier pitching. And after this year, so my, my, my kind of concern is, and that you would, you know, there's going to be a plan. I'm not, I, I don't question Preller. But the question has to be asked. Like after this year, you Darvish is done. Um, Blake Snell is done. We will have Joe Musgrove and Nick Martinez. The, yeah, I, again, I'm I'm just along for the ride. Right. I, I can't imagine that they would do this without having some sort of plan in place on what they're going to do to to counter all this next year. Um, so whatever. Padres are going to be amazing. Petco Park is going to be <laughs> an absolute scene this year. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. And we'll worry about what happens next year. We'll, we'll worry about that down the road. Uh, for now, I'm just basking in the glory that uh, I, the Padres yeah. right now, today, they could field an entire starting lineup and a pitcher comprised of only shortstops. Right. <laughs> I mean, Austin <laughs> Nola was a shortstop. Yeah. You can put Cronenworth on the mound. You got Matthew Batten and Eggy Rosario back there. They're both shortstops. I mean, shortstops everywhere. Yeah. It's, well, it's insane. That, that's, that's the evaluator in Preller where, like, who do you, who do you draft? You draft the, the, the best athlete. You always draft a shortstop because you can move a shortstop to third base. You can move a shortstop to center field, right field. Like, the best athlete is at shortstop, so they can move anywhere else. Now, my con- not my concern, but you know that they must have ha- they've had to have had the conversation now with Tatis going. You're full time. I would think now he'd be in right field. Um, the question is, do you want Tatis's arm in right field and you know uh, Soto's defense in left field, or do you want to put Tatis in left and then keep Soto there? And right? uh, we're we're splitting hairs there, but I feel right. like okay in the in the National League West, Petco Park has the weird angles in right field. Um, San Francisco has that weird brick stuff, the yeah. those columns triple where Ichiro Valley. hit that triple uh, in the all-star game that one year. Um, so I feel like you need a little more athleticism in right field and you need the stronger arm in right field. So you put Tatis there, you put Soto in left field, if that's how it falls. But, you know, how, however you roll it out, you just throw a bunch of mitts out on the field and tell the boys to go get it, you know? 
mean, right. I'm not, I'm going to let them, but in the conferences, they were asking Preller, okay, have you had the conversations? Where do you want to, where would you put everybody? And he's like, I'm not even worried about that. We're, you will figure that out once we have our guys. And he's not, he hasn't had the conversations with Kim and Crone about moving them off their positions, but who cares? And then Scott Boris was saying uh, in his press conference, somebody, well, my guys, Xander Bogarts is a shortstop. Scott Boris is a salesman. His job is to get his guy paid, to get him right. the fattest contract he can. And that premium comes when everybody sees him as a shortstop. Once the ink has dried, then where he plays is purely up to the team and the player. So I, I've seen it. I've seen some stuff about how Bogarts doesn't have the strongest arm among shortstops. Um, he's played second base. He's played third base. Maybe down the road he moves over to second, and then you slide Tatis back into short. Who knows? But I mean, regardless, you can just have these guys go wherever, and it's going to be one of the most athletic groups of of athletes you've seen on a baseball yeah. field ever. Yeah. It's it's pretty insane, but I'm going to continue on with this kind of with this this you know this questioning of of the decision and what they have done with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. So if you saw Tatis's mom's Instagram, there's a picture of Peter Seidler, and the quote underneath is in Spanish. So I I haven't been able to, to I don't know Spanish, but what she says in the comments is the importance of waiting for the one who has to speak. Which I don't know what that translate is. That like they have, I don't know. I don't know how that translates. But you know, my first thought is is like is Tatis's mom now like upset that they didn't talk to Tatis or how that you know I'm not sure how that translates. But you know, mm. it doesn't doesn't sound very glowing. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I've seen you know, there are people that are saying, well, how can the Padres afford to do this? And all the personalities, maybe the next move is that they want to trade Tatis. And I, I could see how somebody could make that, how make that connection. But I mean, he's an absolute superstar. Yeah. Once he gets back on the field and shows that he's healthy, he will be one of the best players in the game. I, I don't see how you do anything to, to, to let that guy go. You just signed him to the statue contract. Yeah. He, he's 14 years, you know, he should, be, no doubt, he should be a Padre for life. Right. And I have no doubt that he will earn every minute, you know, every inch of that statue contract. I have no problem. I don't, I don't think he will not underperform. I just think that, you know, there, there's going to have to be that conversation with him that lets him know like, okay, your days as a shortstop is are, are done. Well, I don't think this means that his days as a shortstop are done, period. And that's a lot of people have been looking at this offseason like, okay, Tatis moves to the outfield and like he's never going to touch the dirt again. And no, okay, okay, this year, even before the Xander Bogart signing, if you keep Kim at shortstop and Cronenworth at second base, you put eventually Tatis is going to move off a right field. He's going to come back to the infield. He's one of the most electric shortstops we've ever seen. He's got the range. He's got the arm. It's a waste not to have him at shortstop at some point. Doesn't have to be this year, but maybe right. so Bogarts moves over. Tatis comes back in a year or two down the road, you know? Do, it, do, right. And then we are splitting heads here, but you got to, the stuff has to be thought about. It has to be talked about. And uh, there's, there's concerns there. So do you think, do you think Manny Machado opts out? I don't think he either yes yet yeah, i i'm not sure how to answer that question but i don't think he's leaving the padres <laughs> i don't think he's leaving the padres 
Yeah, he I don't may think opt out and then renegotiate something like what Nick Martinez did. Um, if, but then again, that's if he thinks he can make more than thirty million dollars a year for more years than than what he's under contract for now. I don't right. know. I, I really don't think so. You know, it said last night in uh, in, in Dennis Lynn's article that uh, it's looking more likely that Machado will opt out. Um, I think that's just his way of saying, man, these guys are spending a lot of money on players, and we might lose one. I don't think he opts out. I think he's absolutely happy to have these guys added to the roster. Now we don't need to worry about a first baseman. You know, our DH can can be interchangeable. We need to sign maybe one more bat, maybe one more bat, and it'd be it could be you know a, a class B free agent or even a class C guy that we can hope to get something out of. This um, city loves Manny Machado, and it's it's given him the love. I yeah. I don't see why he would want to leave. He is paid with a capital P and he's making generational money. So, okay. Yeah. Maybe try to go get a little bit more, but nah, keep him here. So yeah. I pulled up the Mary for Tatis, uh, his mom, my Spanish is not very strong, but uh, the quote on here is from Peter Seidler. It says, es un joven destacado, uh, que cometió errores materiales y ha aprendido de ellos, which says to me, he's a child or not a child. He's a young man who made mistakes and he's learned from them. Jugará para nosotros y fines de abril uh, y traerá alegría a San Diego. He's going to play for us at the end of April, and he's going to bring happiness to San Diego. That's that's what that quote says to me. So lo importante de esperar que hable quien debe hablar. The, the, the people who, yeah, it, we, can, we can read whatever we want to read into this stuff. But the, the whole thing about, is Machado going to go? Is Tatis or is Soto going to walk? People think that the Bogarts signing is insurance for not if, but when those things happen. But then the word, the words coming out of the people that are connected to the Padres, you know, the, the, the journalists that have access, they're saying, no, there, there, there's none of that going on here. Seidler and Preller want to keep all of these guys. Yeah. And I would love to, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll believe it if they sign, you know, Juan Soto and um and just that and, and we just get blown out of the water again. Like well, when absolutely... they sign him to the half a billion dollar contract next offseason, we'll sit down and have the same conversation. We we will and um <laughs> and maybe I'll still give it up, but I'm just not like this isn't you know, I'm here visiting my dad and my older brother, and like we were talking about like, dude, this isn't our Padres Padres, and it certainly is not when you know, it wasn't more than 10 years ago that our budget, that the payroll was 50 million and that was it. Or it was even got up to 70 million in 2000. Yeah. They were saying, oh, the the, the payroll will start with a four, yeah. meaning, oh, $40 million. Like that's something we're supposed to be excited about. Now here we are. I mean, they're way over 200 million already. And it's just through the moon. They have over a billion dollars in, in future commitments to these guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, just unreal. And, and what with the contracts in Major League Baseball, shell, you know, um, divvies out for for what the league is making. What having signed Machado, having signed Tatis, you know, Soto. Like the day we were at the ballpark, I said this again. The day we were at the ballpark, they were already getting that he got traded to. They were already making Soto jerseys for people standing in line waiting for the little Soto pinned on their jersey. Now it's going to be a Bogarts jersey, and more merch is going to go. There's going to be more money. My, my Monday night. Games are going to be sold out now. 
Yeah, yeah, you might have a hard time getting in there. I'm gonna and, have to buy parking like a month in advance, dude. Right? Like I get off at three. Yeah, I get off at three. I'm gonna have to leave work early to make a six forty game time. But That's, this is not a bad problem to have. It is an amazing problem to have because those Monday nights, those Tuesday nights we go to, uh, we also went to a lot of Tuesday nights. We're you know thirty thirty five deep in people and rocking and absolutely just just electric on a Tuesday night. Yeah, and you think back, like, just like three, four years ago, you could have a whole section to yourself on yeah. a Tuesday night. Yeah, have 17, 18,000 people show up, and that's barely with the bowl. You know, that's not even a full bowl on the bottom and then some smattering of, of the cheap seats. Just, um, it, it's, 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 it's crazy. So this morning, I was driving on into work, and I listened to Ben and Woods in the morning. Um, and just the other day, Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs put out his, his like, preliminary projections. He does this way early just to kind of put something out there, get wet people's appetites about the off season about, okay, what do the Padres have right now? What would the, what would those players projections be? Um, and it was the interesting timing that that came out like three days ago. And then today or yesterday, the Bogarts thing happened. So I'm sitting there listening to Bennett Woods and I'm going, I wonder what Dan Zimborski's uh, projection yes. would look like if he could slot uh, Xander Bogart's in there. Well, what do you know? The next the next segment, they had Zimborski on. Um, so Dan Zimborski wrote a fantastic article on fan graphs that top to bottom breaks the whole thing down. And there's way too much to go over it now, but I highly recommend taking a look at it. Um, he, he, he estimates that there's about $261 million in future value based on his projections with Xander Bogarts. So $280 million over 11 years is a pretty good match. It's on the right order of magnitude. So he thinks it's a fair deal. Uh, and he thinks it's a great move for the Padres, assuming that they have the budget to continue to build behind them. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to have to build more sections of Petco Park because we need more people. In the, we need more butts in the seats. Hey, you know, whatever it takes. You, I mean, they already put a cap on season tickets. I'm Our season tickets went up this year. I'm sure they're going to keep going up. Cost of living increase every year. It's just part of what comes with it. But they, they, they went to the playoffs this year. They went all the way to the championship series. So, you know, the team gets a big kickback from that. They get the teams make more from the, they, they get a oh, yeah. huge profit out of that. Profit, so, yeah. If they're going to be a perennial playoff contender, then that's a whole new funnel of cash coming into the team. So that's only going to help support this budgeting. However, they're doing. I've heard people uh, allege that maybe they got into Bitcoin and then sold when it was at forty thousand or fifty thousand, <laughs> wherever it was at the top. I who knows what they're doing. There's some magic beans somewhere, but whatever they're doing, God bless P uh, Peter Seidler. Well, you know, it, it, it's great that you know Boston. New York, Chicago. I don't know so much about LA, but those those franchises back there, you need to have season tickets are passed down by generation to generation. Like you can't get a seat at you know maybe recently, but you know at Wrigley Field for it's, it's tough to get a seat there. There's so many season ticket holders. There's so many people that go to the games. Same thing with 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 Boston. Like you absolutely, you better know a family member that has a season ticket there. Because the season tickets just there's just it, it's just crazy. Well, that's going to be San Diego pretty soon, and that is and that is what this city and team has sorely missed. Like an absolute welcome aboard and bring your wallet. And I and thought opening day last year was lit. It's going to be insane this year. Yeah, and they're not even done. Who knows what's next? Right. 
and it, we've got some notes here on on what if what if this what if that but I, they're going to put an absolute world beater out there i'm i'm certain of it yeah well Cody Senga still hasn't uh, signed you know we do we still need pitching we don't need a first baseman anymore but we do need pitching so i, I do see maybe another small signing if we don't go all in and get Senga um i'm not sure who else is available that could be a high dollar uh, pitcher but we certainly need uh we certainly need another pitcher or two or three yeah, so you you got me thinking. Okay, so yesterday we had this kind of roller coaster where we started off like a little bit of excitement about Aaron Judge, and then okay, signed with the Yankees, and then everybody's dumping on the Padres because nobody wants to sign here, and then at the end of the day we end on this amazing high. Xander Bogarts is signed. Imagine being a Red Sox player where they started their day off. Uh, they signed Japanese outfielder Matsutaka Yoshida to a record ninety million dollars. Uh, and so that was a big deal and Red Sox fans were excited and they've been hearing these rumors about Xander Bogarts coming back. They've been trying to sign him to an extension and then they had the rug just pulled out from under their feet. Did you see Jared Carabas on Twitter yesterday? I did not. I was on the I, road all day. I don't know what he, I didn't have the audio on, but he's just, he, he's sitting he down and he's got like five else. cigarettes hanging out of his mouth that are all lit and he's just devastated he also said something i couldn't remember maybe it was the day before he said something that that pissed everybody off i couldn't remember exactly what he said he's good at doing that and in the past so he he was kind of a a faux padres fan for a little while he was all nuzzling up with us because tatis was exciting and everybody's going wait you've been talking crap about manny machado for the last like five six years what what are you doing over here? And you know what? Now that this has happened and, and Bogarts is coming over here, I bet you he's going to try to buddy up with uh, Padres fans again this season. I'm not going to have any of it. <laughs> I don't like fake fans. Come here, you know, be legit. And if you're if you're new to being a baseball fan or being a Padres fan, that's fine. And if you're coming over from another team, as long as you're like, Padres are my team, let's go. But if you're going to be just come over here because you think it's exciting and it's the bandwagon to jump on, eh, take a hike. Yeah. Ah, man. It, it, it just, geez. Uh, okay. Keep... Okay. So the Padres still need one more bat, at least. Because if you take a look at there's been some projected lineups out there. And the ones that I've been seeing, <laughs> they've been putting David Dahl in as DH. Because that's pretty much the next stop. You've got you got the bench of Azokar, Rosario, Batten, uh, Campusano. Um, and so there's no depth behind this. You need at least one more bat. And on top of that, Tatis doesn't come back until April 20th. And so right. you need somebody to fill in that outfield. Uh, and I, I hope they don't have Jose Azokar as much as I love the guy. He shouldn't be out there every day. So they need to find somebody that can play a little bit of outfield, uh, at least for the first month of the season, um, and then be a bench bat or a DH from from then out. I'm thinking they're going to go after a couple guys, but uh, with Xander Bogarts around, what about bringing Jerks and Profar back? Jerks and Profar, I I like Drury back. Um, He can also play the outfield, but Profar Profar opted out and wants more money. He does. So he's going to want he's going to want more money. And we'll probably give him a few uh, less years. So I'm not sure if we're going to bring him back, but I think we can get Drury on the cheap. I mean, um, Michael Conforto, who could be signed on a, a prove it deal. Michael Conforto is, is, is the guy I've got my eyes on. He's maybe an Oregon 12, State maybe $13 million. 
Uh huh. But lefty bat. Uh, he's got. He had a strong arm when he before. It, now I understand he had a shoulder injury last year. Uh, who knows? He's missed a whole season. Um, but if he's healthy and ready to rock, he. I mean, the, the guy's a, a menace at the plate. You know, absolutely. But th- that fit might not. Like we need a fourth outfielder. That's why, uh, like you said, a Profar or a Drury. Um, I think Michael Conforto will probably sign a major league deal and be a starter. But if he wants to come, if he wants to drop, you know, jump on the Padre bandwagon, um, we can use him for a year, a couple well, of years. Well, he'd be, he'd be starting in the outfield in the fir- for the first month and a half. And then after yeah. that, switch to a like DH platoon kind of a thing. Yeah. And maybe they'll be giving Tatis a bunch of time at, at DH as well, just to, you know, let him strengthen up and get up to full speed and all that. Absolutely. But one wonderful thing about where the Padres are right now, they've got so much positional flexibility among all these guys that Preller can just look out there and target a certain offensive profile and then go after that and then move the guys around to wherever they need to go. So if somebody needs to bounce out to the outfield, so be it. Insane. So the other big kind of big news today, right before we went on, you know, on the air, for lack of a better term, and you guys will see this the next day, is the Brandon Nemo deal. Right. Right. He was the other, like the next big bat to fall, um, could play some center field, outfielder, lefty, uh, absolutely really good offensive player. Yeah. So I know a lot of Padres fans were hoping that the Padres are going to make a run after him. Uh, but it seems like all along the Mets have been, have been, you know, his target. Every they've, It's a mutual thing. They wanted to get back together. It's just a matter of figuring out the numbers. So I'm really, I'm really glad and happy for my father-in-law and uh, the little girl and my wife that grew up a Mets fan. Uh, that Brandon Neiman went back there and he didn't show up in like LA or, or anywhere on the West coast. Yeah. So we're sitting here talking about how are the Padres going to pay for all this? The Mets payroll, they're already over $300 million with these <laughs> acquisitions that they've been making. I just pulled up the roster resource page on the, on the uh, uh, fan graphs and I mean, Scherzer's making 43 million. Verlander's making 43 uh, Lindor is going to make 34 million. Nimmo, 20 million. Marte is making 20 million. Edwin Diaz is making 20 million. Carrasco, Kenya, Quintana, James McCann, David Robertson that they just signed. All these guys are making over 10 million bucks. I mean, the Mets just must be printing money over there. Well, that's why they call it the Cohen tax. <laughs> right? Well, that didn't scare the Padres. They went and took faced the Mets eye to eye, took them down, and then they stood up to the Dodgers, took them down. We're feeling kind of cocky right now. I I should be careful. I might be experiencing a little bit of hubris right here. Well, and that's and that's fine. Uh, they still have to go out and perform. And and like once again, I I thought the Padres really overperformed against the Mets and the Dodgers. So adding Tatis and Bogarts on top of pretty much the same pitching, you know. The, pretty much the same pitching rotation, you know, add one guy here. They've definitely moved the needle. You know, Sarah's talked about it when we, on the, on the, on the podcast, you know, does Brandon Drury at the time, does Brandon Drury move the needle? Does, does, um, you know, Bell move the needle at first base? Not by much. Alexander Bogarts slaps the needle. Oh yeah. Red line. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, so uh, so some other signings. So Aaron Judge, we alluded to that. Um, he is gonna he signed a deal for three hundred sixty million dollars, nine years. The Padres allegedly offered something along the lines of four hundred million for ten years. Now you talk about how players age. Aaron Judge is an athletic guy, but he's a big guy, and paying him when he's forty years old, you wonder how that body's gonna hold up. 
Uh, where Xander Bogarts, yeah, he's going to get slower, but at the same time, he's not. I have a feeling he's going to age a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs, so I'm glad that he's out of the NL West. Um, I who knows? I, he's been so bad the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but he signed a pretty big deal with them. Uh, and then some pitching signings, Jamison Tyone with the Cubs, uh, Matt Strom, old friend, went to the Phillies, Jose Quintana went to the Mets, Kenley Jansen signed with the Red Sox, um, and then uh, Wilson Contreras went to the Cardinals, eight, $87.5 million for five years, uh, infielder Aledmus Diaz from Houston went to Oakland, um, uh who chain was it chain bloom somebody was on the the radio not chain bloom uh there was a journalist that was on the radio uh and they were talking about the kenley jansen signing and that was when the fake uh what was it Heyman was presumptive and he said that arson judge was gonna sign (laughs) (laughs) oh these are the kind of things that only happen at the winter meetings when all these little rumors are going on and there's live can- live microphones all over the place. Well, you know, and, and and this is what they wanted. You know, really, this is what Major League Baseball wanted the winter meetings to be all along. Like last year, the few past few years, the winter meetings have been just about kind of kind of a party. Everyone's getting drunk, having a good time. They have a Rule Five draft. They have the Hall of Fame thing, and that's it. You know, and now this year, how almost a billion and a half in value has been signed in, in over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe, been crazy. And this is when, you know, this builds up excitement. This is why they changed the trade deadline uh, during the season to kind of make, you know, kind of like poke the stick, like do something. So this right. year, I don't know, because of, of the short, because of the, uh, you know, the late postseason and, you know, spring training's right around the corner. Um, we have all this movement for all these teams. And it's just like, it's it's crazy how much money is being spent right now. Right. And we haven't even really gotten into trade season yet. Yeah. So there have been a couple of minor trades that went down over the last few days. Uh, but really, during the winter meetings, they start these conversations. They initiate, they kind of lay the groundworks of who's interested and looking for what kind of things. And and but then they have to flesh these deals out and they'll they'll take a few weeks to come together. So you, we know that Preller is a wheeler and a dealer. He likes making these trades. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, you know, we're going to talk about the Rule Five in a little bit. But the Padres have picked up a couple of pitchers that need to stick on the active on the active roster, and it made me wonder if he might be setting up for a possible trade from a position of depth to fill a position of need in the near yeah. future. So the next little thing we got on here, we got a couple rumors. The Padres were reported to be interested in Seth Lugo, and I find that interesting. Seth Lugo wants to be a starter, according to John Heyman. Um, he's been a reliever for most of his seven-year career. The first couple of years, he did some starting. He's been with the Mets the whole time, so I'm sure Liddy could tell us all about him. Um, but I like the idea of bringing in somebody that wants to be a starter but has experience as a as a lockdown reliever because the I think they're going to go through a six-man rotation again like they did last year. And then if you can take somebody out of that rotation and plug them into the bullpen late in the season yeah. um, and they've got experience in the playoffs, what kind of an asset is that? We saw what Nick Martinez was able to do last year. Absolutely. And I, you know, we've seen Seth Lugo, Lugo pitch. He's nasty. And he did make several starts, I think, at the end of the last season when he really did a lot of most of his starts for the Mets last year. And I love the six-man rotation. I was very skeptical of it. In the beginning of, of the year, like, you know, pitchers are very, they have routines, and this is the way they've always treated their body. But it really lasted, you know, it really did a lot of work. Sorry, it did a lot 
for the rotation and the bullpen uh, when it came towards the end of the year. So right. if we get a six-man rotation with a little bit of depth, um, I'm all for it. They kept all those guys healthy all season long, which was outstanding. Um, and then the last little note I've got on here, the word on the streets is that Bogarts, Soto, and recent Astros catcher free agent Christian Vasquez are close friends. And the Padres have been rumored to want to be looking for a little bit of an improvement at catcher. So maybe there's a match made in heaven there. Oh, give Campy a shot. Campy has got to give his shot. I I don't like I, I don't like the idea of trusting a rookie catcher with a playoff contender pitching staff. You go into it with him as the number three and then let him prove himself. And maybe at midseason, if he's busting down the door, then maybe there you make an opportunity for him. Well, this certainly could be a trade deadline idea. You know, let Nola start. Let let Campy get some time under his belt. If he shows up well, you know, maybe they can trade Camposano and then have Christian Vasquez come in and, and Nola be the backup. But certainly I love his bat too. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And Christian Vasquez, he's been a really good defender his whole career. Um, so if you bring somebody in that's got a little bit of a of a rep, uh, 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 what's yes, the word? I'm looking, a, a rapport uh, with the guys on the team um, knows how to manage the staff. Yeah, I, I I like I like that. I like that a lot better than trying to trust a, a rookie uh, with handling these guys. But now, that's just saying, my take. Right, and I'm not saying that Campus Hunter should be starter right away. He will be the back. I feel he's going to be the backup if he makes the opening day roster. If there is no trades or anything happening, um, and give him a chance to like prove his worth, to really learn from Nola on a day to day basis on what to do, how to prepare as a major leaguer, uh, the daily engagement, learning how to run major league pitching, uh, pitching meetings. You know, he was doing a lot of that down in El Paso, and what we heard was he was running them, he was doing everything he needed to do be a major leaguer. Um, so I say, you know, let him continue to learn, but he's getting a little more playing time and try to get a little more comfortable on the big stage, handling the pitchers. You know, maybe he skips the day to Blake Snell. Uh, maybe, maybe he, you know, Nick Martinez and um, Joe Musgrove um, every day, cat, you know, every twice a week catcher. Maybe a thought, it's a thought. We're going to disagree. On, on, we'll agree some... to disagree on this one. All right. So let's talk about the world five drafts. Um, you know, I was surprised that the Padres got, you know, picked up anyway. The team that almost made it to the World Series picked up guys in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, you wouldn't think that somebody that a team that, that was in contention like that. Usually, they don't pick guys up in the Rule Five, but they decided to, to take a swing at it. They've got like six open roster spots, so there's little risk. And if the guy doesn't stick, he gets offered back to the originating team. Um, you know, but at least you get a chance to take a look at somebody. So the Padres picked up left-handed pitcher Jose Lopez from the Rays. And uh, I had some interesting insight. Uh, at first, I was looking up some information, and I wasn't able to find a whole lot. He's got a page on fan graphs and baseball reference, obviously, but yeah. not a whole lot of uh, scouting reports, not a lot of articles out there breaking him down. Um, but then today, I happened to get a text from a friend of the podcast who I will say has probably seen Jose Lopez throw more pitches than anybody else on the planet this year. <laughs> so he gave me a little scouting report. He said uh, he's an absolute stud and a good dude. Got an electric fastball and a wipeout slider. Rarely he struggled with control, but that's his only downfall. His stuff plays at the big league level. Um, he uh, he dominated double A. Um, and then he added that... Uh, he has a big personality and we're going to love him. His nickname is Peppa. 
So that's just between you and me and our 15 listeners. His nickname is Peppa. When you go down to spring training, call out for him. If you call out Peppa, he'll probably turn around because I don't know how many people in the Padres organization, especially the fans, are going to know that about him. But left-handed reliever can throw mid to upper 90s with his fastball. It sounds like his slider is more of the slower, loopy kind of slider. uh, But he's got that power lefty reliever kind of a profile that you never know when somebody like that could take off. One little tweak and maybe maybe he'll be the dominant guy in the playoffs for the Padres next year. Yep. Um, Get him into our system. Get him in front of uh, the Padres, you know, the pitching coach. Yeah, that's... I kept I kept sharing when I would say something, somebody would retweet it with a picture of Ruben Niebla. Yes. It's like, there we go. Niebla's project. So he's going to be with the team at least through spring training. Um, you, you know, they can they can release him and he would go back to the Rays if they decide that he's not going to stick. Uh, but I was taking a look at the Padres roster, and like I was saying before, there are a lot of guys that have no minor league options. They're major league veterans. A couple guys with options are Tim Hill and Steven Wilson, but I don't think you can um you know, option them after the year that they did. Padres just claimed Sean Poppin off waivers. He's another reliever with no options. So something's got to give uh, for uh, Jose Lopez to have a chance yeah. to stick on the big league roster. You never know. Yeah. Well, and we haven't even got to spring training yet where you got guys on, you know, we get a good look at guys. We release guys, other teams release guys, veterans that don't quite are on the bubble on some rosters and, and don't, you know, and, and elect free agency and we pick them up. Like there's still a little bit of that, um, you know, grab and grab and release kind of during spring training. that happened right before the season starts. Right. And you have guys that get hurt too. Like Pierce Johnson got hurt last yeah. year. Uh, yeah. We have drew Pomerantz penciled in for the bullpen, but I'm skeptical. I, you know, yeah. I, I feel right. like he's been, he's been the white whale the last couple of years. Nobody's really seen much of him. Yeah. Uh, so if somebody gets hurt, then that opens up an opportunity for Jose Lopez. Yeah. So on the minor league side, the Padres took Evan Mendoza. He's the third baseman in the Cardinals uh, from the Cardinals double A roster. That's in scratch. I've talked about him today in Springfield uh, Cardinals uh, and the triple A phase. So Evan Mendoza will be out in El Paso. Yeah. So Mad Friars shared a link to so the Cardinals. Apparently they've got one of the they have a an analog to um, what Mad Friars does. They've got people that cover the minor leagues very intensively. And so their report showed that Evan Mendoza, he has really good bats of ball skills. He has good plate discipline, uh, not a whole lot of power. He used to, at one point, he was a fairly well-regarded prospect. But if if the power doesn't come, then you're going to kind of, you're going to kind of dwell, but he can play everywhere on the field. He played more shortstop than anywhere else last year, but he's played center field. He's played first base um, everywhere, but catcher. He's even pitched a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was garbage time pitching, but still. So right. he reminds me a little bit of Matthew Batten's profile, the guy that just does everything. You, he's and eventually, what do you know? An opportunity opens right. up, opened up for Matthew Batten. We didn't yeah. think it was going to happen, but then next thing you know, he's out there in left field with the Padres. Yeah, and we um, almost willed that to happen. <laughs> yeah, we were banging the drum for him every week. So Evan Mendoza is a new face, uh, but the Padres lost a few guys in the uh, in the Rule Five draft. They lost Nick Birdie to the Cubs. Uh, Brandon Komar um, and Augustine Ruiz both also left the organization. And let me say, so the major league phase, when you select a player, the player has to stay on the active roster for a whole season before the claiming team can retain that player beyond that year. The minor league phase, once they claim a player, that's it. Story's over. The player belongs to the new team. So Brandon Komar, right-handed pitcher, and Augustine Ruiz, outfielder, as well as Nick 
Birdie, who's another right-handed pitcher. They're both gone. Um, Matt Friars wrote about Nick Birdie that his tenure in the Padres system lasted just under two years, included two surgeries, and saw zero competitive pitches thrown. Mm-hmm. Um, he was signed as a minor league free agent before the 2021 season. So it's too bad that he wasn't able to get on the, you know, get on the competitive field with the Padres, but hopefully he's got a new opportunity uh, with the Cubs. Yeah. And then Ruiz, you know, he, had, he has that raw power. He had a huge year in, in 2021 in Fort Wayne where he had a couple, I think he had one three homer game, a couple of two homer games, which just seemed to be hitting homers every week. And we, we profiled that on the podcast, but this last year, you know, kind of could be when you sell out for power, when you get kind of homer hungry, um, it can change your swing and he just struggled this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, players want to see guys make the, the next step in plate discipline and, and quality of contact. And so seeing somebody take a step the wrong way, you know, but Augustine Ruiz, he's a heck of an athlete. He can play a little bit of shorts of a uh, center field and a good looking kid. So best wishes to him. One little side story that Padres Twitter loves to to light up. He's one of the, the uh, guys from Mexico. And for whatever reason, Raza Padres <laughs> Twitter. I know all the all the Mexican players that Preller just lets them lets them all leave. This wasn't by his own choice, though. Um, yeah, I, so I pulled up uh, Augustine Ruiz's numbers. He had 21 homers in 2021. Yeah, he had a really good year that year. He did. He ran into a lot of balls, and it's not easy to hit homers in Fort Wayne. That's a pitcher's ballpark, but he seemed to put it together. And you know, that last year he was an international signing, so I think it's six years that he has to. Uh, you know, to make the 40-man roster, he got picked up in the minor league draft. And that's fine. Give him more opportunity with another organization, a fresh start, um, you know, a, a geographic, if you will, and he'll get more chances somewhere else. Yeah, you know, we ran into Sam Gini down at the winter meetings, and that was something that we were talking to him about, was that it, it hurts a little bit when we see these guys leave yeah. by trade or whatever mechanism that they've left the organization. Uh, but then knowing that they're going to a place where they're going to have a better opportunity to make it to the majors, it's a little bit of a silver lining. You know, it's amazing how small of a world the baseball community, the major league baseball community is because it, dude, he knew who we were. He remembered us. Um, and he was very friendly, very cordial. Um, when I chatted with him a little bit during spring training back in 18, when uh, when we were there, and um, I think I saw him again. I think we saw him again at the um, Don Welke. Yep. That classic. I don't think I said anything. Might have said hi to him. But, you know, he came over and chatted with us for a good two or three minutes. Um, he's with the Giants organization. So, you know, they've got someone really good there in in uh, in Sam Gini. And it was just nice to see, you know, an old friend. In, just nice yeah, they're – there are some people that have that gift of re- never forgetting a face or a name. And they remember little details about everybody. And I wish I had that memory. I've I'm the opposite of that. I might recognize somebody's face, but then it takes me forever to remember their name. I, I could, I could be with somebody that I work with and I have to introduce my wife to him. And it like, I have to think with, with Donovan. Yes, that's Donovan. Right. <laughs> I feel like a jerk. I, uh, I'm, I'm the same way as an outgoing guy as I am. If I, I will like, It'll be a few people where I will forget their name. I'll see them every week. Hell, sometimes I see them every day. And I'll be like, hey, 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 Donovan. Hey, good morning. Up, dude? How's it going? How you doing, yeah, Chief? Right over there. <laughs> What's so, up, sport? Um, so in other Padre-related news, um, during the minor league banquets dinner, they have a visiting clubhouse manager of the year award, which if you think the clubhouse manager – 
the visiting clubhouse manager in in minor league has got to be the most unsung um, position in minor league baseball because you're in charge of the other team. And as we talked to JJ Cooper, you guys listened to that uh, that interview. He talked about in minor league ballparks, the visitors clubhouse is not the focus. The visitors clubhouse is usually smaller than the major league clubhouse and gets a lot less attention. Um, but yet both two of uh, the Padres systems um, clubbies won manager clubhouse manager of the year. And that one was Clyde Howard for Fort Wayne. Clyde Howard is in El Paso. Sorry, you had it written backwards. Clyde Howard in El Paso in the Pacific Coast League and Hunter Sosenheimer, Sosenheimer for Fort Wayne. Yeah. So congratulations to those guys. You know, we've talked to, to, to Swirly, um, Ryan, uh, Sam, Sam Lewis. Sam, Sam Lewis, Lewis, thank you. Uh, and Terrence, Terrence, Tucker. Terrence Tucker right here in, in Lake Elsinore. And those guys, they bust their butts, you know, washing towels and putting out the spread and yeah. getting everybody's equipment ready and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's it's a it's a thankless job. I'm sure they get a lot of gratitude from the players, uh, but without them, the show wouldn't go on. And so it's nice to see these guys get a little bit of gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, you know, okay, so we're wrapping up a crazy week, and I want to thank you for reaching out to Major League Baseball and uh, getting us credentialed. This was all this was all your hard work and and reaching out to people and sending out emails and sweetening sweetening people up to get us the credential, and that was a, a fantastic experience getting to be behind the lines, uh, behind the ropes. Well, certainly it's funny. I, I I can apply directly to Major League Baseball. The Potters, I want to thank the Padres for allowing us to have that. Uh, they set that up for us a few years back. Um, we have re uh, we have reengaged our our relationship with the Padres. Um, don't really know what that looks like, other than um, it was it was great being in the scrum. We could have been in the scrum otherwise, but to, to shake their hands and kind of get um to get you know to to mend the fences that we've had. We haven't been the best on social media, and that's. And that's fine. It's a learning process. We don't guilty is charged. We're we're passionate about our team, and and sometimes when we're overpassionate, there's consequences, and that's fine. They were great to us. Um, Major League Baseball was great. It was great going in the, in the press room and and seeing guys that we've had on the podcast. Jay Jaffe. Uh, we sat and talked to him for a while. It was great catching with Katie. Well, God, Katie Wu. We had her on a couple several years back, and now she's a grown up. You know. Writing for uh, the athletic in St. Louis for the Cardinals. She was so nice. Yeah, and she, you know, it was fun kind of giving her a little bit of jab about you know, just you know having Gold Goldsmith and Arenado, and she walks into this fantastic organization, and the fans there, you know, have embraced her, and and that's really great to see. We talked to Jim Russell from uh, John and Jim mm-hmm. uh, on Seven Sixty. It was cool talking to him for about a good ten minutes. Um, we met you know, the guys from Cespedes Family Barbecue. Reached out with those guys. Those guys are going to be coming on the podcast. Um, I've never, never talked to Marty Caswell. Um, I have, I have admired her from afar. Uh, my whole life here in, in uh, you know, I don't really listen to sports radio, but just you know, on social media, watching what she does with the Chargers, with the Padres, um, see to interact with, um, with everyone. Um, she's incredible. She never stands still. She moves she never, so that, fast. She's always she, going somewhere. Oh my God. And, um, that's absolutely true. She's just amazing. So we got to to meet her. We got to meet William Bradford Davis, who had just published this groundbreaking article, uh, the second of a series using Dr. Meredith Wills, 
uh, data about what's changing in the baseball and some interesting data folded into that. Absolutely. Um, he is now in the witness protection program along with Mer- <laughs> Meredith Wills. Um, I'm sure. S- seriously, there's, you know, a whole, um, those in power will try to keep in power. And if they can't discredit, they will certainly do what they can to, um, to intimidate those that try to take the power down. That's nothing other than just, you know, we met met, uh, Britt Giroli, Giroli, Britt Giroli. Yes. And that was one of the highlights for me because we talk about player advocacy a lot about pay and housing and transportation and food and all this stuff for minor league players. And she's one of the people that has written one of these, you know, kind of uh, peel back the skin and, and show what's really going on. That's helped enact the change that we've started to see. It'd be nice to see uh, maybe next time the winter meetings around and we're able to go um, Emily Walden come back. You know, she's now battled and beaten the shit out of cancer. Yes. Um, so congratulations to her. You know, absolutely. Hopefully she'll be able to uh, get back into uh, the baseball writing community and prospect evaluation uh, for. Well, we'll for have to have her public. on just to, just to chat about life. We we do. We will. We'll have her on soon. And we talked about that a couple months ago when she was still struggling. Um but it was just a blast. And it's a blast to walk around and go like, hey, hey, you know. I, for me, it's really way more important than I actually am, which as my personality really feeds on because I'm a egomaniac with an inferiority complex. <laughs> so, you know, so it's real fun. Well, and I also had fun just meeting up with people from Padres Twitter that were out there milling around to take in the scene. I saw Ryan Cohen. I saw a whole bunch of people that 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 we know that we're friends with. Um, and then following that on social media and seeing them happen to get encounters. Oh, you need to go on Brandon Wright, Brandon Rowan Wright's Instagram. He did a bunch it. of interviews today. He met up with Bob Nightingale. He did John. He saw John Heyman. So he did a good job yesterday covering some of the Xander Bogarts news. I saw the John Heyman last night. I'll have to go check out the um, the uh, Bob Nightingale. Yeah, he's got a whole series of them. So he's a he's maybe he has a future career in sports journalism. Maybe we can get him as our correspondent. I don't know. Oh, maybe. <laughs> well, in the meantime, let's let's wrap it up. You're out there yeah. doing family stuff. It's getting late for you. Uh, so we I mentioned the article. We're gonna break down that whole baseball article with Meredith Wills. Uh, maybe we'll even have a chance to talk to her in the future about it. But I want to just go down the article and talk about some of the big points. Uh, we got a bunch of people lined up to talk to players in the organization. You know, maybe we'll, we've got some broadcasters. Sam Levitt, we're hoping to talk to, yeah. uh, and then like the Cespedes Barbecue Boys, the A's broadcasters. Yeah, you know, we've made all kinds of contacts that we're gonna have coming up for you in the future. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Let's go Padres. Uh, let's go Padres. And it ain't even about the dough. It's about getting down for what you stand for, yo. For real. Then we gonna rock. Then we gonna fall. Then we let it pop. Don't let it go. Come on. X don't give it to ya. Uh, he gon' give it to ya. X don't give it to ya. Uh, he gon' give it to ya. First we gonna rock. Then we gonna fall. Then we let it pop. He gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya
I like his little baby. 